Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Parasite Lost. But before we get to that discussion, we need to get to the news. Deadline.com reports that we'll be meeting more members of the Nall family on the CW Supergirl in season four. Hannah James is set to recur as Nia Nall's older sister, Maeve, and Scandal alum Kate Burton will guest star as Nia's mother, Isabel. Uh, as we discussed in our character spotlight on Dream Girl, Dream Girl does have some notable relatives in DC Comics lore, and to expand on some of those relationships is Supergirl Radio fan favorite and a great source of comic knowledge, Wendy, a.k.a. At Kara underscore Quirrell has some thoughts to share. Hey, this is Wendy at Kara underscore Quirrell on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Tumblr. And uh, I'm calling in to talk about this week's casting news. I'm very excited to hear that Hannah James and Kate Burton are cast as Maeve and Isabel Nall on the CW uh, Supergirl show. So uh, Maeve and Isabel Nall are not Canon Comics characters. However... Nura now, uh, who we all know from the Legion of Superheroes as Dream Girl, does have a uh, mother named Kiwa and a sister named Missa, who is very famous. You, you might know her as the White Witch. And according to the character descriptions for these two characters, they are very similar to those characters. So I think um, I'd like to just talk about that for just a quick second. Maeve now is described as a driven uh, and focused on maintaining the Nile family's rich legacy, uh, and she and Nia have a strong sisterly bond, and Maeve has always had to work harder to achieve what comes naturally to Nia. This very much reflects um, Missa Nile's history, which is Dream Girl's sister, Nura Nile. Uh, Nura was born with a lot of uh, uh, precognitive, very strong precognitive abilities, um, and was, uh, you know, quickly, you know, one of the favorite pupils of the of the high seer whereas her sister missa was born with no uh precognitive abilities and that's pretty much on Naltor, where everyone has precognitive abilities that was seen as kind of the equivalent of being blind both missa and nero were daughters of kiwa now um who uh very much resembles uh the isabel now character that they're introducing to the cw uh, her casting description was the warm and nurturing mother of Nia Nal as a local hero in her own right. 
she's a wise and generous matriarch and has raised her family to be bold and courageous as well as to love fiercely and openly. Isabel sounds a lot like Kiwa now, who was Nura's mother and Mrs. Mother uh, and the high seer in the matriarchal society of uh, Naltor. Mrs. Mel, uh, not having any powers, not having any ability to see the future, uh, grows up uh, and does not want to be a burden to her family. So she leaves to go study magic on the planet Xerox, um, which is... Uh, the planet where the original Naltorians uh, came from, immigrated from. Um, so she goes back there to kind of learn how to get her uh, vision back. Uh, and she becomes the character known as the White Witch, uh, who is a very famous Legion character. Uh, and I'm very excited to see that. Uh, and as a little aside, and this probably won't be anything, in an earlier episode this season, they introduced a Dryad character, uh, and Miss Amel, uh does actually have a long-standing relationship with a dryad character on the Legion of Superheroes. Um, so I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, I don't think they'll go there. I think that was probably just a throwaway, but it would be interesting if it happens. So um, anyways, that is why I am very excited about this week's casting news and uh, Long Live the Legion. So Morgan, what do you think about this casting news? Do you know these actresses who are coming on to the show? I'm familiar with Kate Burton from her um, her time on Scandal and as Meredith Grey's mother on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, so she's very good. I think that she's a really good actress, and I'm excited to see her on the show. I'm not uh, familiar with Hannah James, so um interested to see. Mostly I'm interested to get some uh, some uh, background info on Nia uh, to see more of her life and more of her um, her family. I think that's going to be really cool. I think I noticed that uh, Kate Burton was in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So that's the only thing I know of of her in her filmography. So that's it's been a while uh, since that movie came out. So it's uh, it, it'll be nice to reconnect with that actress. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to know more about Nia's background and uh, get to meet her family. And I'm hoping that this will help us maybe understand Nia's powers a little bit more and uh, where she comes from. Uh, because I am fascinated by these connections that... Wendy mentioned from the comics about uh, Dream Girl, because I, I, I think that's how they're p- sort of connecting these these two new characters with the the comics is that uh, they're sort of borrowing Dream Girl's mother and sister for Nia's mother and sister. Uh, so I, I don't know how that works in the future in Legion of Superhero time, uh, but I, I think it could be a, a cool use of them in the show. So that'll be very exciting to see what they will be up to. Well, I think that's going to be it for our news this week. So let's get talking about this week's episode of Supergirl titled Parasite Lost. Here is the official description. Quote, Colonel Haley makes a surprising decision regarding Supergirl. Carr writes a series of articles highlighting aliens in National City in the hopes that humans will stop being so fearful of them. Unfortunately, the article puts some of the aliens in harm's way, unquote. And my first question to you, Morgan, is uh, what is Colonel Haley's surprising decision about Supergirl? Uh, I think her surprising decision is... um, 
Hmm. You know what? I think that she made that like deep in her heart. She made that decision. <laughs> but there was a moment when she looked at the camera and like I could see that she had made a decision about <laughs> Supergirl. And that was I was going to point that out as my favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> uh, and then later she, when she goes and talks to Jean about their their uh, mutual shocking secret. Don't you remember <laughs> that scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just I don't know what the the decision was. I hope that in every d- episode description we get one thing that didn't happen in the episode. <laughs> like I feel like uh, have you have you heard that theory like the Bernstein Bernstein Bears theory that like we're in an alternate reality? Like I feel like every time that episode description comes out with something that didn't happen in the episode, like we're just peeking into that alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's dimension B. It's on another Earth in the multiverse. Exactly. On Earth 2, the the episode of Supergirl this week, Colonel Haley did make a surprising decision about Supergirl. And I remember it because it surprised both of us. <laughs> Don't remember that? I was so surprised. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I, um, I missed last week's episode, so I watched them both back to back. So when I when I read that description, like nothing popped out at me because I was thinking about like last week's episode when like the president and Colonel Haley were like so mad about um, Supergirl being out in the field. And I was like, oh, maybe the surprising decision was like that. She you know showed up at the D.E.O. And then I was like, no, that was last week. Yeah, I, I, I don't I think that's a cut scene that they didn't realize until <laughs> maybe later. Uh, they seem to have a, a habit this evening. W of uh, putting out these descriptions that don't really make a lot of sense. Uh, so I guess maybe while we're talking about this, because we we have mentioned Colonel Haley, uh, she did uh, play a pretty prominent part in this episode, working with Alex, trying to stop Parasite and, and Agent Jensen. Uh, so what are your, since, since uh, you've watched both of those episodes back to back, what are your uh, current thoughts about Colonel Haley after consuming a lot of her presence? Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was really, I was vibing on her. I was like, she is great. I thought she was going to be kind of rough and evil. And like now she and, and Alex are like, like in, in sync and they're like fighting crime. And then the end of the episode happens. And it was like, when you're like really into someone and then they say something terrible and all you hear in your head is, Womp, womp. <laughs> like you were I was rooting for you we were all rooting for you I had a very Tyra Banks moment with her at the end <laughs> I did too because I, I was really hoping she would uh, defy the odds break free from what everybody else thought of her and she she did that a little bit in the episode and and she sort of proved them wrong they were they were working together as a good team and I'm a little conflicted because I know that what she said about Jean was harsh and nobody likes to hear anybody talking about Jean like that way I certainly don't but I also was kind of thinking you know in her from her point of view uh, I'm kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi here. From a certain point of view, <laughs> she was correct. What what did she say about Jean that was not correct? She says that uh, he was an imposter. That is true. He was impersonating Hank Henshaw. <laughs> and then she said that Jean uh, set a bad precedent. That is also partially true. I will I will also grant her that statement. 
She also said that he was trying to erode the DEO's mission. Now, I will say that I don't think he was actively trying to do that, but he did. I mean, the DEO's mission was to capture bad aliens and to capture aliens. And here he is, you know, bringing them into the fold. I would say that they're still uh, they're still doing the DEO mission because there's like a lot of aliens um, in their holding facilities, um, which like I it really bothers their holding facilities really bother. This is something that bothers <laughs> me back to the flash. None of their cells ever have bathrooms. And I just how do they I do have it? so many questions? <laughs> do they have to like be let out every time that they have to go? Or is it like way darker in there? Well, wasn't there a problem when? Uh, oh, gosh, how did we pronounce it by the end of the season? Uh <laughs> Mer- Marin. <laughs> uh, I, would th- I think I just like to start with a mirror and then just trail off until somebody finishes it for me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I think it was Marin by the end of the season. Um, didn't he have an issue with finding the restroom? He did. So, like, maybe no one can find the restroom at the <laughs> DEO. Maybe, maybe the restroom is like uh, Haley's surprising decision. <laughs> Maybe she was like renovating a bathroom, and that's that's what we missed. That that I mean, I think that's important. Why would you count that <laughs> on the HDTV version of Supergirl? <laughs> a bathroom reno is going. In. So I I do think that she had some valid points about Jean, um, and especially from uh, her perspective as somebody who uh, worked in the military, who was part of, you know, the federal government, aided the president, all of that stuff. And having been there since the DEO's uh, creation, I can see why, like, bending the rules and going against order and all that stuff, I can understand why that would bother her. I think she just, uh, she had a poor choice of words and I don't think she really understood how much Jean had actually made a, a good positive impact on the DEO. And I was actually glad that Alex stood up for him and said, yeah, he he might have uh, he might have actually been an imposter. He kind of did pretend to be a guy for a while. <laughs> uh, so th- I'll give you that. But he also recruited me. He trained me, taught me everything I know. So there were some good things. So I'm glad she reinforced those good things to Colonel Haley. So I can kind of see both sides of it. So I don't know. I don't know where to stand. Yeah, I guess I guess it's hard for me because like once you start talking about Space Dad like that, I just get angry. I was just like up in my feelings immediately. I was like, excuse you. (laughs) (laughs) But she did have at least a couple points. I will agree. He, He definitely was pretending to be a different person for a while. That's maybe not strictly cool (laughs) (laughs) he did kind of fake it and uh use it to uh ascend to a high a place of authority in the organization so that might have been a little bit uh maybe a little cheating a little abusive of the uh the system a little bit uh so i will grant her that but i i agree i mean if somebody talks like that about john you you do kind of like want to stand up and have some words with that person. So I can totally understand that. So I'm glad that Alex had words and she did it in a very uh, civil way where she gave her her feelings and said, you know, Jean is my family. And she did it in a way that I hope that Colonel Haley maybe took that in. And maybe they're at that point where they can respect each other and listen to each other. So I'm still hoping that Colonel Haley and Alex will still have a good relationship by the end. But I do, I do think they hit a little bit of a 
a, a rough patch in this one. So I'm, I do like the character of Colonel Haley, though, because I don't know which side she's on. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's when they seemed like they were becoming best best friends, I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. It seemed like she was going to be this, like, strict disciplinarian. Then she comes in, then they're like, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but by the end, she sort of made that turn. And But as you pointed out, there was a lot of things that she said in that, I think, that were maybe harsh about one of our favorite characters, but not completely outside of the realm of, like, just stating some stuff. Um, but I do think that her like alien, like not liking aliens thing was a little bit rough, but I don't think that she's irredeemable the way that say like agent Liberty is. I think that she might just be like walking a, a, a line. So I would like her to remain like a gray character. I don't know if that's what we're going to get, but that would be more interesting. I think. Yeah, I do. I do find her intriguing just because like she's keeping me on the edge of my seat trying to understand what she's all about. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing more of her dynamic with Alex because uh, Alex, you know, that's putting her in a tough spot. Uh, I still think maybe instead of Colonel Haley, they could have brought in a, you know, a skeleton with a cyanide yeah, I mean, poisoning in his hands. But <laughs> this seems like a, this seems like a case for director bone <laughs> is all I'm saying. Could you imagine if the president was like, hold on, uh, <laughs> I, I need somebody new in charge of the DEO, Alex. Good job. But uh, I have this friend from college. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to Skull and Bones. <laughs> and out comes Director Bones, like chomping on a cigar. <laughs> oh, so many missed opportunities. So many. I I demand Director Bones before the show is over. Demand him. <laughs> I mean, I guess I will. I will settle for Colonel Haley uh, as a as an antagonist with Alex. But you could have had Director Bones. You could have had him. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try not to dwell on that, but it would have been awesome. Uh, so since we've been talking about kind of Alex and uh, Colonel Haley, what, how, what did you think about their their plan to stop Parasite? I was blanking on the first appearance of Parasite. Like I knew he had been, Parasite had been in the show before, but I couldn't remember what season or like the episode. And so they were like referencing back to this like, previous season which I think is really one of the really cool things I've liked about this season so far is like it feels more connected to the history of the show and like referencing things in season one season two but sometimes it uh, backfires on me personally when I don't remember what they're referencing so they're like yeah we're just gonna do it like we did last time and I was like yeah right like like last time (laughs) (laughs) yes uh, that was actually the version of Parasite played by Creepy Ethan from Lost Oh, yes, that's right. Creepy Ethan. How could I forget? (laughs) Um, And that was actually in the episode called Changing. So if you do want to go back and rewatch it uh, so you can have that that reference, that context, uh, go check that episode out. That was the episode where they sort of got rid of him because Supergirl may or may not have killed him. Uh, so that was that was kind of a more questionable way of handling things. I, I actually really liked the way they handled it in this week's episode uh, because it was more of them reaching out to Jensen to appeal to his better angels to um, which 
is a, a pun intended because that's an episode title of the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I really liked Alex's talk and in her appeal to him about, you know, you wanted to keep everybody safe. You want to make this country safer. But this is actually putting more people in danger by what you're doing. And uh, she appealed to him as a hero, as somebody who wanted to protect others. Uh, and, and she kind of reached into her personal relationship with him. And I thought she channeled Kara. And uh, I, I thought that was really cool that, you know, Kara does that a lot as Supergirl, where she will try to connect with a, you know, a quote, villain or a bad guy or a misunderstood person and uh, tries to reason with them at, on a like a human level. And so I, I thought it was really cool that Alex actually got a chance to do that with Parasite. Yeah, I really liked that moment because... You know, Haley is like yelling at her to to take the shot, but she knows that, you know, the loss of life would be intense. So she has to talk him down. And we've seen um, we've seen Cara do it like a number of times, but it was really cool to see Alex do it because sometimes Alex can be a little bit of a sort of a, a blunt instrument kind of <laughs> uh, she's she's a she's a little harsh. She even I think she even says in this episode that she tends to see the worst in people. Yeah. Um. So I think for her, that was such a like such a big moment where she was like, I still see in you, you know, what made me think that you were going to be a good agent. And I know that you're underneath it. You're a good person and, and you don't want to do this. And I thought that that was a really nice moment for her character. Yeah, it might have been out of desperation because she was like, if you do something here, Jensen, oh, we're all going to die. I'm going to die. Uh, so maybe she was like, don't kill all of us. Yeah, maybe don't. We all don't want to die. That's sort of like <laughs> 101 here. <laughs> Could have been a little self-interest in there. <laughs> Could have been. But I think Alex was actually very genuine. I, it seemed like her words were coming from a real place and a, out of a real concern uh, for Jensen as a person. And I think that's what made the difference because, and, and we'll we'll get there with a few other characters that I have some strong feelings about in, in this arena. But uh, I think Alex realized the lesson that Kara has been a great example of is that if you want to get through to somebody, you don't attack them. You don't ignore them. You talk to them. And I think that was a great example. And it, you know, it reaches back to the premiere episode of the season where, uh, was it the premiere or was it the second episode? I think it was the premiere where Supergirl flies in front of the White House and she stops everyone from fighting. And she says, you know, we need to stop fighting. We need to talk to each other. And I think that the, the kind of the, the scene between Alex and Jensen was a really good example of that, that they, they came to a conclusion together and Jensen you know, gave up the amulet and he surrendered. And I, I thought that was a really powerful moment to see someone do that. And I think it's because I think Jensen probably felt that Alex was really sincere about how she felt about him. And, and that would make a difference. So we talked a little bit about Alex and her way of combating this problem with Parasite. But 
Kara was unable to fight Parasite because he basically could take her powers and suck the life out of her. This is like the second week in a row where they're like, sorry, Kara, you can't get in on the action. <laughs> yeah. Which I think like knowing that uh, some of this is probably because Melissa Benoist was on Broadway at the time uh, is has been one of my favorite things to like notice about the season where it's like, uh, sorry, Kara, you just can't be in this scene because of reasons. <laughs> I think that, I mean, they've they've come up with some good reasons, but just having these two episodes back to back, the one where she's in the suit and then the one where she can't fight him because he's going to take her powers has been like pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it has been uh, a consistent thing that's been happening lately. Uh, but I did think it was a good use that if she couldn't fight a Supergirl, she chose to try to uh, help out with her other superpower, which is the power of the press and her ability to go out there and be a reporter. Uh, so, Morgan, what did you think about Kara's reporting, her investigating uh, a story and, and trying to help out that way? I really liked seeing Kara, first off, show up to her job. That was <laughs> shocking for me when she was like, well, if I'm benched f from Supergirl, I guess I'll go uh, do what, I'm sp what I've been getting paid to do. And I was like... <laughs> oh, really? You're not just going to take the day off and watch some classic movies? <laughs> She's like, into the office I go. And she like bumps into Nia and she was like, what? Wasn't, wasn't I mentoring you? And he was like, it's cool. I've been mentoring the CEO of this company. <laughs> um, no, but it was really good to see Kara get back into the reporting and actually be a reporter. Like we've seen her, this season at least, we've seen her in the office and we've seen her like go out to like, a press event. But for the most part, we still haven't seen her like, I don't know, work on a story or get anything published. <laughs> so this this one felt like, oh, Cara does actually have a job and occasionally she does something at it. Um, and I liked at the end, uh, just skipping ahead at the end, that she had come up with an idea for a series of articles and that she was sort of pitching it. And she was really excited and passionate about it. I think that that's not something that we've seen from her a whole lot in her um, in her reporting career. I think she's mostly just sort of popped in and out for coffee uh, between <laughs> Supergirl tasks. Um, but I also think that she... Um, stumbled onto something interesting which is you know if you're highlighting someone that can that can be great and that can teach people about something that they don't know but it can also be um you know dangerous like she because she highlighted um this alien who has healing powers um agent liberty and his whole group knew to target him and knew to try to get that alien amulet uh which they might not have known about if she hadn't written that article. Now, here's here's the thing I really zeroed in on, though, while watching this episode. He hasn't given an interview in 20 years. How So aliens have just been here this whole time, then. That is what <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, me and Rebecca are going to have a talk about this. <laughs> I was so confused because I was like, so have aliens been here for 20 years just living amongst us? And people have known about them because it sounded like he was like a well-known alien figure who like having Getty, like who you can Getty image search. <laughs> 
he's been going to galas and and crap like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah that i did not understand whatsoever um and one of the things so i i'm i'm with you like i really enjoyed cara going out there trying to get a story doing some well, she did an interview, but my problem with Kara is that she didn't take the time to do her homework. She didn't seem like she did any research before she went into that interview with Amade. Her first question is like, so you haven't give, given an interview uh, in 20 years. And uh, that's a great question, but also uh, a couple of questions before you get to that question. Um, how did you get here? Um, why have why have you been here for 20 years? Like, what have you been doing? We have several follow-up questions. <laughs> I have a lot of follow-up questions. Excuse me, Supergirl Radio here in the back. Um, <laughs> just a couple questions. Instead of taking Nia with you, take Morgan and me with you because we have more questions. Um, it almost seemed like she did the interview and then she did a bunch of research. And I was like, I feel like this is the wrong order for doing your job. Yeah, like when she when she put posted the interview and then later on we find out what we find out about his family and she was like uh you know this is on me for not doing my due diligence and making him sound like such a great person and I was like yeah maybe like talk to a couple of his friends or some of his family maybe just just a tiny bit oh digging would be great like if you're writing a profile I mean I know you want to start the profile with what he's wearing and like <laughs> the truffle fries that he orders but after <laughs> that, maybe maybe just a little bit of research into his back a couple fact checkers what's Nia doing she's sleeping a lot on the job have her fact check some stuff <laughs> yeah get her to do some of that research for you it took her two seconds to get on Lexus Nexus and find all of that information she was like oh here is all the background info you need it and i wanted the car to be like where were you an hour ago <laughs> why was it that in the piece that you wrote that just it I, it highlighted for me that it seemed like Kara had a little bit and, and correct me if i'm using this term incorrectly but uh confirmation bias she went in there she wanted him to be like she saw that he did these wonderful things like he he did heal that little boy and that's awesome and he was doing some good things for the community. It seemed like a lot of people really appreciated him. But she went in there and she saw what she saw. And she wanted to use that opportunity to make aliens look good. And because of that, she didn't dig any deeper into the story. And she could have had a more well-balanced, more uh, a, a more well-researched article that could have given a lot more information than she initially had done. So that's why it concerns me that now she's like, oh, I'm going to do a whole series like that. I do think at the end she said, you know, not just people who are very impressive, like everyday people. And I think that the idea that aliens aren't all good or all bad, they're like sort of mixed, was something that we got a, from her a little bit in that period of time when she thought that he was a deadbeat dad. She was kind of like, you know, I gave this wrong impression of him to the readers and she was upset about that. I do think, yeah, I think she went in with an angle and instead of sort of expanding out and seeing if all the information fit that angle, she just ran with that angle instead. And that's not... I mean, listen, she's only been on this job one day, so <laughs> <laughs> this is her first full day of work. 
So we have to we have to grant her a little bit of slack. I think this is like the second, maybe third articles she's ever worked she's, on. So she's besides her blob. Yeah. So she's she's still a little green. I will give her that. But I just part of part of me thinks it's great. She wants to you know highlight a whole bunch of different people, show different sides of it. But is she going to show the sides of the people of the aliens who are committing crimes? Because I'm sure I'm sure there are some of them. I mean, we know some of them have with the the DEO shenanigans. Is she going to report on that, or is she just going to only highlight the the good things that people are doing? Um, so I I have a, a conflict because I think it's good to highlight all kinds of different people. But I also don't know how that's going to heal the divide in National City because it will probably come across to some people that she's only showing one side of things. And I don't know that that's going to solve anything. Um, And I, I guess I could bring James into this because I was so flabbergasted with everyone who worked at CatCo in this week's episode because I just kept thinking... You are all so terrible at your jobs. You're all so terrible. Like Kara went into it. She had a confirmation bias. She didn't do any research. And then James went to this. He was being honored by the mayor for his media, you know, work. And so he goes in there and he totally dismisses Ben Lockwood. He totally uh, rebuffs the guy that they were talking to, the, uh, the, the centrist commentator or whatever they called him. And it seemed like he just did not want to listen to anyone. Then at the end of the episode, he's like, you know what? After thinking about it, maybe maybe you can't change people's minds by slamming doors in their faces. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Why did you just now come to that conclusion? I wondered I'd, if I had been in the room with James and Lena, I would have just asked them just in, and I would try to find a, a polite way to ask it. But I just wanted to, to say, you know, have you guys thought about how maybe your past actions with Ben Lockwood have maybe possibly, we don't know for sure, but could they have contributed to who he is now? And maybe you should have. I mean, we don't know. We can't change the past. You can't correct it. But maybe if you had listened to him. He would have felt like his needs were being addressed. He would have felt like somebody cared about him. Maybe it could have been different. And now all of a sudden, they're just learning this lesson. And I just kept thinking, James, you were honored by the mayor for your media (laughs) reporting. And you're now just saying, hey, maybe I should figure out who these people are. As a journalist now, I've been out of the news game for a long time. I worked in TV news for a couple of years. And I was... Uh, full disclosure, I was a video editor, I was a production person. So I was not in the reporting aspect of it in terms of writing the reports. So maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. But it seems like to me that if you had a big problem like this, where humans and aliens were fighting, and there was a lot of turmoil in the city, wouldn't you want to find out who those people were who you disagree with so that you could try to figure out what the problem is so you could fix it. It just seemed like James was just now coming to the conclusion that maybe he should figure out who these people are who have problems with aliens. I was just so flabbergasted that just now he figured that out. Yeah, I had a different, I guess I had a little bit of a different read on that scene um, in the media mixer um, because I guess, 
I mean, it just seemed like Ben Lockwood, how how did he get into that media mixer? He seems like he's just an angry person ranting, like, on a blog. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised that he was there. Um, and then I feel like... He's got pretty extremist views. I I think we can all agree on that. Like sure. he's we we don't we do, they don't know it yet, but he is uh, iron masking to just kind of go <laughs> around. He's like, listen, it's gold, it's beautiful, it's fabulous. I'm gonna kill some people, and I don't think that that's cool. <laughs> but I mean, just from his um his articles that he I guess he created his own website or is on somebody else's website, but um. It does seem like he is like straight up um, intense, like and very hateful. So I can understand why they would sort of shun him. Um, and I think when they were talking to the centrist person, they kind of were shocked at how he had moved sort of in an ex- more extreme fashion. Now I feel like they had a like a. a prior working relationship with that guy where maybe they could sort of talk to him and find out like why have you moved in this direction like what's going on but I mean I don't feel like people with super hateful views like it's maybe it's not always great to give them a platform um but you're right though they did kind of ignore Ben Lockwood until he became this sort of um terrible person who uh is really into uh steel and um (laughs) (laughs) and although i do feel a little bit like of course i'm gonna defend my girl lena always um but i do feel like lena made a business decision which is a business person she sort of had to make sure and when she knew that bad things were happening in ben lockwood's life she was trying to help him out and she was trying to help out his family uh, and he was the one who sort of was like, well, you know, didn't want to accept anything from her. Uh, sure, showing up at, at at a funeral in your fancy sunglasses, maybe <laughs> not. But listen, he doesn't know Lena like we know Lena. It's <laughs> shocking that she didn't go in a like a sparkly party dress to that funeral. I mean, she was showing the utmost respect. For Lena, that was the most respect she could possibly show <laughs> because she was in an appropriate outfit for the venue. <laughs> and we know that like a normal Lena outfit would have been like, why are you showing up in a bathing suit to this funeral? And she's like... <laughs> Why not? But but I I do feel like James was so dismissive of him in their last uh, conversation. I think maybe the the most dismissive, although I think uh, I think Jean burning down his house and then peacing out with like a with like a you're welcome was uh, (laughs) maybe the most dismissive. But uh, I think that we're going to see James sort of try to reach out to some of the people um, who are very angry at aliens uh, through Ben Lockwood. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a good, if, if it'll eventually change anybody's opinions, maybe Ben Lockwood will see a different side. I don't think he's redeemable at this point. He's killed a lot of people, but, uh, maybe there can be some sort of healing with James seeing the other side of like, you know, Alien invasions have taken out a lot of homes and stuff and like home insurance. Boy, that's a pain. Uh, (laughs) And maybe they can sort of cover some of that as like those angles of the stories instead of just 
kind of ignoring that uh, that aspect. I do hope that it goes that way where James maybe goes undercover. Maybe he, he goes inside the Children of Liberty and, and talks to people and figures out why they are, you know, why they are doing the things they're doing, why they think the way they think. I think that would be very productive for James. Um, and I just, I guess it goes back to, to him being a news person that I don't understand why he wouldn't want to go get that story. So it, it just really perplexes me on the news front that he would not go after that story. Um, but I, I also think, you know, just from my personal spe- experience, um, and I'm, I'm not a very smart person, but I, I like to watch scholarly debates because I like to listen to different sides. I like to hear, you know, people I agree with. I also like to hear, you know, why someone thinks differently of me because I think that makes you know, you're, you know, well, I can't speak for anybody else. It makes me go and research and dig and and see, you know, what I think about the thing that that person said that I disagree with. Um, So it makes me uh, more educated, I guess, in a way to uh, hear uh, the other side of the argument. So I like to watch debate debates for that. And I know it's, this is such a silly example, but I am a person, uh, okay, so I think it's been made pretty clear on this podcast that I'm a huge fan of the movie Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Wait, I'm sorry. You like that movie? I, I didn't realize. <laughs> it's a cinematic masterpiece, Morgan. Uh, I just, I, I feel like everyone should know how strongly I feel about it. You really keep that under wraps. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> Do I need to make it like a more, um, a bigger part of of uh, my, my fandom? I feel like I, I, maybe I don't talk about it enough. Uh, but, you know, some people, like, I, I went and, and researched and read 38 uh, Rotten Tomato reviews uh, that were bad reviews of the movie. And I had people say, what a waste of your time. Why would you do that? And I just thought, well, if I want to talk to someone about this movie, I want to know why people think it's bad. I want to know, uh, you know, what what they're saying about it so that if I want to, I can refute those arguments. So I, you know, I go and I read all those reviews and they're awful and I hate reading them. And it's, it's just, it makes me dumber for having read them. Uh, you know, no offense to anyone, but it did. I feel like I lost some IQ points reading some of those reviews, but it made a lot of my arguments stronger when I go to Dragon Con and talk to somebody about the movie. If I wanted to talk to somebody on Twitter, I already knew what they were going to say because those arguments are very similar all the time. I would engage people when I was more active on Twitter. I'm not so much anymore. But when I was active on Twitter, I would engage with people who did not like the movie. And because of that, we came to a lot of times we would come to understandings you know, in terms of I might not have won that person over to my side of it being a cinematic masterpiece, but at least they were willing to talk to me about it and we could come to some common ground. So I think there is something to be said about um, getting to know the other side and getting to know the other argument because it makes your position a little stronger if you can know those arguments. So I think it would be beneficial for James is the, the, this long-winded uh, <laughs> explanation of this is getting to this point that I think it would be beneficial for James. It would be beneficial for Catco. It would be beneficial for Kara and Supergirl to understand what the other side has to say so that if they wanted to refute some of those claims, they could probably do that a lot better than, oh, you're just a bigot because maybe that won't suffice for someone who's lost 
their home or lost a family member. So um, I think that would be beneficial for them in order to um, present their own side. Um, so sorry about that long-winded uh, response. Um, but yeah, I just, I was kind of disappointed with the CatCo people. I was like, well, at least we got there. At least we got there where they realized, hey, as a journalist, maybe you should do some research. And maybe as a journalist, maybe I should look at the other side. So at least we're there now. Carr is going to do some research on that next article or most likely make Nia do all of it. <laughs> at least <laughs> we're going to see her like zoom into the office and Nia is like just elbow deep in all of Carr's work, like literally all of her work. And like Carr is going to come in and be like, thanks, got to go again. <laughs> well, I think that's going to make Nia a much, uh, she's going to be a better journalist. She's going to be such a good reporter by the end of the season. <laughs> she's going to be giving Lena Luther advice instead of just James. <laughs> she's going to go up right to the public. Publisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she, uh, maybe Nia could teach Kara uh, a thing or two uh, here in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, so uh, so it, it's just interesting for for me to watch watch them do their jobs because maybe it's my ego, but I'm like, I feel like maybe I could teach you something about this because uh, I think you're doing a terrible job, but they're getting a little bit better, so I will give them credit for that. Um, are there any other things that you wanted to talk about, Morgan, that we didn't touch on? Um, I guess we could talk about what was the okay. So I'm blanking on the uh, alien's name, who was the profile Amade Amade. So the whole storyline with his like secret family, I think, was was really interesting. In that, like the the mother in that family was just awful. Like <laughs> she, she basically kept her daughter away from Amade because they had a bad breakup and then like hid all of his letters to her and then like went full anti-alien, which seems like a weird perspective of somebody who has a half alien daughter. Yeah. Like she was like, I think they're all roaches and we should get rid of them. I was like, girl, your daughter is half of an alien. That's not going to end well for her. Like, you realize that, right? It was, uh, I was like, mm, she made a hard left turn somewhere right towards, like, just being terrible town. Yeah, she didn't really think that through. Didn't really. Yeah, didn't follow that to its logical conclusion. <laughs> she, she seemed uh, surprised by the outcome, and she was upset that her daughter uh, checked out and said, you know what? I feel betrayed and uh, I don't appreciate what you did. And so I'm going to leave. Like she seemed surprised that that was the reaction that the daughter had. But I mean, somebody could argue that maybe that was, you know, a a justifiable position from the daughter's perspective that you kept all this stuff from me and I'm very upset with you. Um, So I I, I do think that that was (sighs) selfish on the part of that mother that she had a horrible breakup with, this guy with Amade and she took it out on her kid. Yeah. I don't think we got enough background to understand why she would do something so dramatic. Like it didn't seem like he was abusive or anything like that. It just seemed like they had a bad breakup. Like maybe she wasn't ready for their relationship to end and he ended it and she was upset about that. And then she was just going to keep the 
like her daughter away from him forever. And then she seemed very surprised by the daughter's reaction to being like angry, which I was like, listen, like when you make a choice like that, you know that there are consequences coming at some point. It feels like you should know that. Yeah. And those are all uh, good questions and things to maybe do some research on. Yeah. Like maybe if you, maybe just a couple Lexus Nexus searches, (laughs) maybe just one, just one, it turns out is all you need. (laughs) I mean, if there were that many articles about Amade, maybe he popped up in like the National Enquirer. Maybe somebody was doing some gossip stories about him and this chick. 20 years ago, (laughs) when this alien has been there this whole time. And he was super high profile. Such a high profile alien. Did it not seem in the first season like the Fort Ross escapees were the only aliens around? And people were shocked about them being in town. Don't, I feel like if there was a, like a famous alien who was like, so famous that they were taking pictures of him with his dates that like (laughs) people would be less surprised by like aliens popping like maybe they were like a lot of good aliens just chill aliens just trying to like ohm and stuff and then (laughs) (laughs) and then like the bad aliens came and people were shocked about that and he was performing miracles. Yeah, he was a, he was a, I mean, I could understand why people were into him. He was like wearing a lot of long flowy clothing and he seemed very wise and like I was into it too, but like, I don't, <laughs> I just, I feel like the, the world building in this show has just uh, really drastically changed from CBS to the CW. I think that the 20 year thing is what makes that fall apart. If it was just, oh, there's this guy who just happened to be here, you know, recently and he was doing all these miraculous things, I could buy into it more. But then if you go the extra step to say he's been here for 20 years, he's been uh, photographed a lot, a whole bunch of people wrote articles about him and did interviews, that has some holes. It seems like the also the whole season, not to harp on this, but I'm going to harp on this, <laughs> the whole season is hanging on this idea that the presence of aliens, the sudden presence of aliens all over the place is creating this tension, uh, like this anti-alien tension. It seems like if they had known that aliens were around for 20 years, that like maybe some of this would have already popped off like maybe 19 years ago. Like that seems like that would have been the time, like when people first were like, whoa, there are aliens. But like, the way that they're they've structured the season, like there's this sudden influx of aliens has made people a lot of people on edge and there's that's why there's like this anti alien movement. And then we find out that like aliens have been around for twenty some years. It just seems like why have they waited until now to be so mad about it? Yeah, and then there's of course Superman and Supergirl. So it's uh... I don't know. It's it's getting harder to buy into because they keep <laughs> they keep digging a little bit of a hole for themselves. Uh, so it's I yeah I, I try to go with it, but the the twenty years thing I did I was like what in the world? I feel like it's one of those things where like you can accept it on face value as this is the storyline of the season, and you can't think too hard about it. And that's really the key is just like just let it wash over you and just don't don't think too much about it. I actually have in my notes. So dot 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 
Did people know about aliens 20 years ago? Question mark. That's actually something I have in my Google Doc notes. That's amazing. So I did have that same question. I feel like somebody is going to like write us with like this really amazing headcanon about how this all makes sense. And <laughs> I'm going to feel real dumb. I feel like I, I like like uh, my girl Nia. I feel like I'm having a premonition of, <laughs> of a future podcast episode where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yes. If you if you can outline the timeline of the canon of Supergirl, please make it make sense for me. <laughs> if you have to draw lines and do string theory or something, if you have to if you have to do it, do it and send it to us. Help us make it make sense in our heads. Put some pictures on a wall. Get some red <laughs> string. Take a picture of that picture. Send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> I would be most appreciative uh, personally because it's getting so much more difficult to keep track of the alien presence on this show. Um, and before we move on from Amade, I just thought it was really funny and I don't understand why they do this sometimes. But like Kara and Jean are outside of Elizabeth's house and Kara's wondering if the amulet will be inside the house. And I kept thinking, why are you wondering about it? You have x-ray vision. Why can't you just, you know, scan the rooms? I, I just, I don't understand. Here's another, here's another fun one um, where I, what I call, they forgot they had powers. <laughs> um, is that why didn't Jean just read mom's mind? And, like, he could have figured out, oh, my God, she grabbed, got the amulet and gave it to the Children of Liberty. That could have been, like, several scenes before when they figured that one out. Like, several. She could have just been like, oops, I, I caught that from you. <laughs> I mean, I get, I get respecting people's personal privacy. Yeah. But also, Jean, like, you have that power. You only remember you have it once a season. <laughs> He, and he already used it up last week. He did. He did use it in this episode on Amade to get the vision of Elizabeth. Last week I meant this week again. I they're all confused <laughs> in my mind. But uh, yeah, no, it was. I think it was more glaring for me because he used it this week, and I was like, "Oh right, he was mind reader." And then he he just didn't use it anymore. But but yeah, you're right. He could have maybe saved a couple of steps if he had just. Uh, popped in the mom's mind to figure out what's going on or if Kara had just hopped on Lexus Nexus and <laughs> just did some research a little bit of research just like a tiny bit I think uh, a lot listen a lot of balls were dropped uh, <laughs> on uh, team Supergirl this week <laughs> I do appreciate that they're remembering more often this season that John has mind reading abilities I yes. think this is two in a row well, and I did like the uh, the way that he did the facial recognition with Brainy. That was very cool. Where he actually shape-shifted into Elizabeth in order to find out where she was. I did think that was actually pretty clever. Uh, so I, I will give it to him for that. <laughs> but yeah, dropped balls on uh, Team Supergirl's uh, part this week. I think it's a good good way to put it. Uh, they had they have some things that they could maybe uh, work on. Oh, speaking of rainy, I realized we didn't talk about that great rooftop scene. Yeah, where everybody's uh, drinking mimosas, loving their lives, <laughs> looking fabulous. Yes, I I don't know what time of day that was supposed to be. If it was <laughs> the middle of the day, I like to imagine it was like dead middle of the day, and that's why when Nia comes up onto the rooftop, she looks so confused. Like, <laughs> why are you all up here on a work day? Why is my mentor? here why is my boss here why did they call me up here <laughs> so was that on Kara's apartment roof I think it was supposed to be I think she's now got a swanky rooftop 
area. I wanted to say deck, but there's like, you know, there's just some flowers up there. So I had a couple of questions. One, does she have any kind of HO? This is like really nitpicking. Now uh, let's get into this. You, you, we know I love National City real estate questions. <laughs> because does she have any kind of like HOA, uh, some form of like a community that she has to answer to? Because she just went up there and she was like, I'm going to put a whole bunch of plants. Does she not have like a landlord or somebody who has to approve that? Because uh, she just took over the rooftop. It does seem like there should be like an HOA, like a little old lady HOA person who is just like, we we like this, but the geraniums have to go. <laughs> like, I want to see that. I just want an episode that follows like Kara in her everyday life. Like no Supergirl. <laughs> yes. Just Kara as she's like planting plants and like being like, hey, can I plant this? And the HOA board is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> And also, she had a Daressa plant, a, a Daressa flower up there. The Daressa plant is from Argo. Oh, oh, it seems like that's a bad idea to introduce uh, alien species into. <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to be another. This is going to be end up being like another. It's going to be like a little shop of horrors plant. that's going <laughs> to just take over. What if we think this whole time that the big bad of the season is Ben Lockwood? It's not. <laughs> He just kind of like goes on a road trip and finds himself. It turns out it's the plant that she planted on without any kind of approval. It's <laughs> oh. over all of National City. And and it's out in the open. It's up it's up there. It's not it's not confined. It could multiply. <laughs> it, well, the thing about the Daressa plant is that was the the flower that was given to Kara when she was born and the idea was that the the flower would grow as Kara grew so how tall is that Daressa I mean it could be like a like you know Godzilla out there oh my god just a giant plant like rampaging around National <laughs> City is gonna be the like the mid-season finale and I'm I'm here for it I'm into it the only thing I'm upset about is I mean I feel like there aren't there's that there's a an Argo City plant. There's a lot of nice wildlife out there. No gazebo, really? No gazebo? I mean, there's plenty of room up there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if we're gonna get an evil plant, we can finally circle back to that gazebo. <laughs> it's time. It seems like Kara might be when she's introducing the Daressa plant there. Maybe she's trying to uh, put some Argo City stuff there, so it makes sense to channel her friend Thara and, and build a gazebo. I don't see why not. She said that Super Speed, you know, made all of that really easy, so she she could do it. Oh yeah. So I just had a lot of questions about that brunch, <laughs> <laughs> the brunch scene in the rooftop, uh, and I also really liked Drunk Brainy. I thought he was very enjoyable, and he taught me a new word. He used the word sagacious oh which means keen and sense perception or having or showing keen mental discernment and good judgment i feel like i've only ever seen that written out i've never heard anyone actually speak it yeah he said that about lena that she was sagacious what do we think about the flirtation between brainy and ania because clearly there is some uh chemistry it is uh a little off-putting uh and creepy but it, there is some <laughs> chemistry nonetheless when he started just like listing everywhere she lived i was just like i mean she's playing this off like really cool but god that would be terrifying <laughs> <laughs> he did know exactly where she lived and what her exact schedule was yes <laughs> i would be like well i'm changing all the locks on my doors <laughs> <laughs> 
and moving. <laughs> yeah, he knew her address, uh, which was 775 Gladiola Drive, second floor, second floor corner apartment, very specifically, <laughs> uh, and that she stops at Bob's Diner every morning and orders an extra super large coffee with milk, but no sugar. So very specific, very detailed information. Uh, so she, uh, I, I agree, like she, she, she played it pretty cool. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty funny that even Alex was like, he's not normally this stalkery. <laughs> Alex was like, I don't want you. I don't want you to think you're going to get murdered in the night. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did find it humorous that he was like, well, you told me to find you, not call you. Uh, so he didn't quite understand uh, the insinuation there. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know what to think about. I don't know. Because it does seem like they're they're maybe uh, teasing something out. Yeah, there's def. I mean, there's definitely some like chemistry going on there. He's uh he found out exactly where she lived and like what she does every day. So I don't know. I was I was surprised when this popped up when they sort of popped up together at the pizza place. I was like, oh, are, is there going to be a little like a little romance here? I I think uh, it could happen. Maybe it could mirror. Uh, brainy and dream girls relationship in the comics so maybe that's how they're they're playing that yeah but uh there there could be more to that because it did seem like nia maybe wanted him to find her uh, it seemed like she was maybe disappointed yeah i mean when she it's re- there's a like a really cute moment where he pops up uh not drunk anymore and she fixes her hair really quickly that i thought was super super adorable and it like not so on the nose, like sometimes Supergirl can be a little bit like, ah, I feel this thing and I'm going to tell you I feel this thing in <laughs> several lines in this episode. And don't worry, the theme is fear. Um, but, but I like it was very understated. It was really cute. It, like you got it immediately. Oh, she wants to look cute because Brainy's there. Yeah, I think this episode did a lot better of not being so on the nose. I will I will give this episode that because it's been really bugging me the last couple Is episodes. Is the theme anger? <laughs> they did mention fear in this one and they, they yeah. talked about it quite a bit because I think they're gonna they're gonna hit fear in every episode uh, leading up to whatever they're doing with Agent Liberty because that's sort of what's driving everything. Even from both sides. I think there's a fear of the other uh, from from both sides of the equation. And so I think that's what the show is trying to get at. But at least here I felt like when they did it with the Alex Jensen conversation, the fear part of it uh, was part of the characters and part of the story. And so it, it made it a little better. But yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, y'all need to quit. Stop stop trying so hard. It's a little Sesame Street-ish. Like there's a, like a word of the episode every episode. <laughs> yes, that's what it feels like sometimes. So I'm glad that this was a little bit of a break from that. Um if I may, I want to hit a few things really quickly before we wrap up our discussion. Um, something that sort of bothered me, and I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but so there's a moment at the National City uh, Promenade, I think is what they called it, where there's a shapeshifter and he's sort of doing some tricks to, to get some money. Um, he's kind of a, a street performer. I guess is how you would say that. Oh, yeah. I thought it was both adorable and also uh, terrifying because um <laughs> just a, just a little bit off-putting i think I, I i don't listen people are into what they're into they they like all kinds of shows um i don't think i would want 
somebody on the street to become me and then like do a, a weird dance, but everybody's into something different. <laughs> Maybe I took this kind of personally, but a full disclosure recently, I had uh, someone steal money out of my bank account. Oh, I had no, a, I had a worse. I had a fraud situation lately that I'm still kind of trying to work on. Oh, it takes forever to get those things resolved too. There was someone who just happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know, but somehow someone got into my bank account at some ATM across town that I never went to and stole some money from me. And I'm still a little upset about it. It's like that feels very violating. So my problem with shapeshifters is. Yeah, it's cool. You can change into people. But also, are you going to do bad things and abuse that ability? Because that's what scares me. That you could turn into me, go commit a crime, do some fraud, steal something, commit a murder, and then I would be blamed for it. I know I'm thinking about this way too hard, (laughs) about this one little thing that happened in the episode. But I was just thinking, why are all those people so excited about this? They were enjoying that way too much. And all I could think was, this guy could do something heinous and blame you for it. And you're cheering all all about it. So I guess maybe I'm just bringing my personal fraud baggage <laughs> into this situation. <laughs> but I was just I was just questioning um, how excited they were about it. It would have freaked me out. I would have been like, okay, this is freaking me out. Um, so shapeshifters are, are enjoyable because they can do a lot of cool things, but they could also do some bad things if they chose to do so. So you just got to hope that all the shapeshifters are like Jean, that they will only use their abilities for good. So that would be my hope if I was a citizen of National City. So anyway, let's get off my personal baggage and my, uh, personal issues, uh, so Morgan, what did you think about Par- Parasite Lost as a whole? I really liked this one. I thought this was a really strong episode. I think there was a lot of really great Alex moments. It was nice to see Kara be a reporter, even if, again, this is only like her third day on the job, like really on the job. <laughs> so she's going to make some mistakes. But it was nice seeing her um, working at CatCo and working with Nia and uh, and coming up with article ideas and 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 actually being at work and being Cara Danvers. I mean, I think we've seen more of Cara Danvers this season than we have maybe all of last season already. Um, but it, I think that they are um, they are having a nice mix of Supergirl and Cara stories, which is which is really fun. I think that there was some, uh, you know, Lena has some cool outfits. These are all the things I care about. <laughs> um, and I think that, I, and I've actually really been enjoying that the way that they're using uh, Jean this season, because coming into the season, I was like, I'm excited for, you know, director Danvers. I'm excited for, you know, more car as a reporter. I'm excited for whatever weird stuff Lena is going to wear. But like, I wasn't <laughs> sure, I wasn't sure what they were really going to do with John. And I think it's, uh, they're really like setting him up to be sort of this like alien detective cop hybrid. Um, that the aliens can go to because they don't, you know, they don't have a good experience with the police. Um, and he's going to, you know, like find some missing 
people and like sort of be a detective, which I think it's going to be such a he's got such a cool storyline, I think, that's just sort of building and sort of percolating in really a nice way. I think they're doing a good job with that. It's I really I've really been enjoying what they've been doing with him this season. That's a really good point. I like that, too, because Jean feels like he's getting more of his own things to do. Like it's his story. It's his uh, role in the show now is to be kind of this like underground detective. And I actually like that because it's a natural fit for the story that the aliens don't feel they can go to the police, which is unfortunate, but that's the situation they're in. And so they go to Jean to help them solve cases or find missing people or solve crimes, whatever it is. And I, I think that's a really good use of Jean. And it's it's cool to see him making all these connections with other uh, you know, members of the community and the people in the city and, and getting to do his own thing. And I think that's that's really awesome. And it, it was cool that they uh, found a way to incorporate Jean into the, uh, the bigger story, which was Jensen and intermingle him with Kara and and not so much the DEO, but Kara and Jean teamed up. And I thought that was a good way to use them. So I would agree the stuff that they've been doing with Jean lately has been really good. Um, despite my frustrations with the uh, em- employees and uh, CEO of CatCo, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought the Amade story was very interesting, even though I have lots of questions about his time on Earth. <laughs> Uh, so I thought that that was uh, very good. Um, I liked the resolution to the parasite uh, conundrum and uh, all of the things that was going that were going on with Jensen and Alex. Really enjoyed, um, and also the uh, the brunch was a, a nice way to to open the episode. So I, I thought it was a, a really really good solid episode of the show. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Parasite Lost. Um, so at SL Fricky says, Cara wanting to use her journalism to tackle the problem of public hate is well-intentioned, but doesn't only ri- but doesn't only writing about the aliens kind of play into Lockwood's point that humans are feeling ignored and dismissed. I also didn't like that that one journalist simply saying maybe we need to reassess the alien problem got treated like some deep deep-seated hatred. Finally, the DEO has guns again, yay, but their nuclear-powered proton pack things that could have blown up a city block. Less yay. Yeah, was it the whole reason that they got rid of the guns at the DEOs because they they didn't want to be so violent? They were like, listen, we have to be less violent. Let's just get something nuclear-powered. That's (laughs) going to be safer for everyone involved. Ah, Supergirl, this is why we have problems with you. Um, At Danshin underscore Panda said, I felt it was boring. I don't understand where the writers are going with James because what he's doing now is just dumb. Love Nia and Kara, the reporting duo, though. Alex talking down Jensen was, wow. Kyler's acting was so on point. And uh, speaking of some um, some accolades for Kyler, at Kara underscore Quirrell said Kyler was uh, 100 emoji. Um, at Mark HBPWM said after the reveal of the ex and the daughter, I was going to compliment the show on its subtle, subtle, the uh, sub, oh my God. 
why can't why <laughs> subtle. Subtle. subtle 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 is not, not a even s- hard word <laughs> it's not a subtle uh thing to pronounce no apparently not uh, i was going to compliment the show on its subtle storytelling but then the show went to car's loft and complimented itself on its subtle storytelling <laughs> and beat me to it uh, glad they stopped to celebrate how great they are listen i mean <laughs> if you don't love yourself who's gonna love you yeah that's right you gotta have some self-confidence <laughs> you gotta pat that old back once in a while <laughs> <laughs> um, at Flaroverse one said, I love the idea of Jean helping out aliens who don't trust law enforcement. I think that's a great idea. Also, I'm really looking forward to seeing and learning more about Nia Nal. I love the scene on the rooftop with her and Brainy. Um, at Boo Scott 10 said, would have been better with more Nia and less James. Uh, <laughs> rough for James. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Pernalope? Nope, Ad, that's not it. Add <laughs> Pernopal? There's just so many letters in here. Uh, perna- I'm sorry to you. Pernopal. If you want to tweet us the, the preferred pronunciation <laughs> of your Twitter name, that'd be great because I can butcher anything. So they said Kyler was a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> so now she's both 100 emoji and thumbs up emoji. That's a lot for any one person to carry on their back. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they went on to say, I love that Alex decided to be the hope, help, and compassion and do the things the way her sister would, which was a great moment. James needs to give it up. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. <laughs> it was so sweet and complimentary and then just like a solid burn right at the end. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. <laughs> um... At Patty Mello 20 said, why is Cara so bad at her job? <laughs> Kat was a great mentor. Didn't she learn anything? They need to end this Elaine's, Lena and James thing ASAP. They have no romantic chemistry. It's getting hard to watch. Do you guys think that Nia is going to find out that Cara is Supergirl before Lena does? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> does it make sense that that's going to happen? No, not really. <laughs> But that's where we are. Uh, <laughs> our final tweet comes from uh, at Madtown Davidson. Uh, Colonel Hen- uh, Haley. Well, I keep wanting to call her Henry for some reason. I keep wanting to call her. Uh, what is what is the guy Colonel Hardy? In uh, he's the he's the he's the Colonel and Man of Steel. And so I keep wanting to say Colonel Hardy instead of Haley. So I I totally feel your pain. Apparently, neither one of us want her to have her current name. Uh, <laughs> Colonel Haley demanding that Alex salute her was odd. Alex isn't in the military. To my knowledge, law enforcement officers and federal agents don't salute military personnel. I might be wrong, though. Otherwise, I really like that Alex talked Jensen down at the end, and I really like John being a detective who helps out aliens. This Lena as supportive girlfriend plot is duller than dirt. Get <laughs> Lena in an off-the-shoulder dress and back in the lab doing crazy science with Eve. <laughs> Listen, Matt Town Davison, from your tweet to the show, let's do it. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that she sort of uh, acts as a partner in crime with James if he's going undercover with the Children of Liberty. I hope she gets in on that action. I think she could help him out because he no longer has when to do that kind of stuff. That's true. Like Lena is his bro now. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what that says about their relationship, but I guess it, it, it's sort of an extension of their romantic relationship that she would want to help him out. So, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you at Madtown Davidson. 
Well, we have an email from Troy who writes, quote, I just listened to the episode for season four, episode three, entitled Man of Steel. I was really surprised by the feedback that expressed a lot of resistance to the portrayal of the villain. It was mentioned that every villain is humanized in the show. But the thing I really wanted to say is that terrorists and bigots and racists are human beings, just like the rest of us. We're never going to put an end to those isms if we stop recognizing the humanity in people because we see them as our enemies. Supergirl wouldn't do that, and we could do worse than follow her example, end quote. And uh, Morgan, if you will, I have a lot of feelings about this email because I think... <laughs> oh, I see so many notes. I have a lot of notes, uh, full uh, full confession in the doc. I have a lot of notes. This is a full page of notes, Rebecca. <laughs> I will make this quick, but I think Troy uh, wrote a really great email, and um, it's something that I've been thinking a, a lot, uh, quite, quite a bit about. And um, first off, Supergirl does do that. Troy is 100% right. One of her most consistent traits is that she tries to reason with a villain uh, to connect with them on a personal level, like we talked about with Alex. Alex did that um, in this week's episode. So that is something that I think we should all emulate um, because I think it's a good way to connect with another person. And um, I've been doing some research into these kinds of things. And one of my favorite real-life examples of someone who reaches across the aisle to someone who they would probably not connect with, (laughs) a very unlikely relationship, is a man named Daryl Davis. And he is a black man who befriends members of the KKK to help understand each other to uh, try to prevent racism and violence. Um, And it's really inspirational to me because, because of his interaction with these Klansmen, some of them have left the KKK because he's become friends with them and they've gotten to know each other. And he like goes to their clan rallies. Um, he invites them over to his house. They have dinner together. Um, and it's just, it's so inspirational. I highly recommend if you haven't done so, go watch Daryl Davis's TED Talk because he talks about his, uh, his history and dealing with racism in his past when he was a kid and how that sort of influenced how he wants to go about trying to fight racism by befriending these people and getting to know them. And it's just, it's just one of those things that is just wowing to me that you wouldn't think that someone would do this, but it's actually produced positive results. Um, and I think it's really cool. And he... Um, <clears throat> These are some of the things that Daryl talks about. He says, I had to pe- I appeal to people's common sense. I don't seek to convert them, but if they spend time with me, they can't hate me. Uh, the Klansman sees that I want the same thing for my family as he does for his. If you can work on the things in common, that's how you build friendship. And he asked this question in his TED Talk. Um, one of his big things is, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? Um, and so I think that's a really profound question. Um, and so I think that that is something that, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to take with me is, you know, how, how can I hate someone if I don't know them? Uh, so I think that that's uh, a, a good takeaway there. And there's also another great piece of advice I want to share with anybody if they uh, want to practice this for themselves. But one of the best pieces of advice I have ever heard, and I still try to practice it to this day, was uh, from a lady named Amy Poehler, who's one of my comedy heroes. And she said, if you speak about what you care about to a person you disagree with without denigrating them or insulting them, then you may actually be heard. And that is that is another profound statement. So I think one of the things that Supergirl teaches me, especially, um, is that if you treat people with respect and you actually care about them and uh, you try to uh, talk to them on a personal level and get to know them, you might be heard, 
you might be be able to actually solve a problem and you might be able to come away with it, you know, understanding someone a little bit better. So that is my long-winded <laughs> spiel there. Yeah, it's it's funny that you you gave the uh, the Daryl Davis example that immediately made me think of this uh, amazing story. I think it was in the New Yorker that I read about this woman who grew up in the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, which is a very uh, hateful organization. And she was sort of like tweeting for them. And because of Twitter, she was actually exposed to all of these ideas that growing up, she wasn't like allowed to, you know, uh, know or have access to. And so, you know, this church is, is very, you know, against pretty much everything. Uh, so she was, you know, like tweeting things that were anti-Semitic and all of these kind of things. And then she was sort of personally, on like a personal level, talking to these people who were like, who are Jewish or who are from different faiths and getting to know them personally. And eventually she got, you know, changed her mind about like all of these um like beliefs that she had grown up in and got out of this organization and and just sort of got out and had a normal life. And it was because of the people that she encountered on Twitter that she normally wouldn't have had any access to and got to encounter these new different ideals and talk to them. And, you know, from the other side, they talked to her, even though some of the things that she was saying were very hateful and, and hurtful, but they were like, here, I'm willing to have a conversation with you and I'm willing to, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I want you to know me as a person versus what you've been told. And I think that that is, it's hard work and I don't think it's for that everyone should or have to do it. But the people who do that kind of work are, are very amazing. For me, I, I, I think it's uh, really important that um, that we we do speak to each other and talk to each other, especially about big ideas and and things that are going on in our world. I, I recently uh, read a book that moved me profoundly, like profoundly, like, oh, you know, moved me to tears. I'll try not to cry on the podcast. But it, was a, <laughs> but it was a book called The Faith of Christopher Hitchens by a man named Larry Taunton. And it's actually a really fun book for me to read because I know a lot of the players in there. I, I, I talked earlier about how I watched a lot of scholarly debates. A lot of the people that I've watched debates with uh, they're mentioned in the book. Um, it, uh, Larry Taunton is from Birmingham, Alabama, which was where I grew up. And so I know places like the Alice Stevens Center and, and things like that. So it's very fun for me to read just because I have a personal connection. But the story is actually about uh, Christopher Hitchens, who died a couple of years ago, but he was one of the world's most notorious atheists. Like he wrote a book about, uh, I think his biggest book was God is Not Great. And it was just like this rant about religion and all this kind of stuff. And he, after he wrote that book, he challenged people, like, if you want to debate me, sign up. <laughs> I'll, debate, <laughs> I'll, I'll debate anybody who wants to talk to me. And so because of that, he met a, a couple of Christians that he, uh, one in particular, Larry Taunt, the man who wrote the book, they became friends. They would debate big ideas. They would talk about things. They even took a couple of road trips together. They studied the Gospel of John together, just had a really open relationship They, um, you know, Christopher Hitchens stood up for Larry when he was being made fun of by some fellow atheists, and Larry Taunton took care of him when he was drunk. Christopher Hitchens was a a bad, you know, he had a drinking problem, and so sometimes Larry would have to take care of him. And so I just, I was so moved by the fact that these two men who were on opposite sides of the spectrum 
found a way to connect to each other on a personal level. They got to know each other's family. Uh, they became friends, but they still they still weren't afraid to engage in big conversations and talk to each other, even if they disagreed. So I just I'm so big into these stories of how people connected, um, even if they disagreed, even if they still disagree. And they can still see each other as humans. And so I think that goes back to, <laughs> I know we've kind of uh, come away from Troy's initial email, but I think to circle back to it, just to see people as humans, see people as your fellow humans, even if you disagree with them. So I think that's a really uh, profound email that we received. And I just wanted to share that and talk <laughs> about that because I think it's a big deal. I think that's one of the great things about Supergirl is that she sees sort of the light in every darkness. I don't think that she would ever give up on anyone. And I think that's, I mean, that's a very hard ideal to live up to. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. a reason she is fictional. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's a, it's a beautiful ideal. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a really nice ideal that, you know, no one is, is beyond help. Yeah. I think it, it is hard to aspire to. I know I fail at it all the time. <laughs> To. But uh, it's something definitely to aspire to. So we also have an email from Alex who writes, one of the main criticisms of season three was that there were times when Supergirl became a side character in her own show. Too many characters with too many storylines. That's how I felt watching this week. I realized there has to be some story development for the other characters, but there were long stretches where I forgot Supergirl was even in the episode. As we all know, Melissa Benoist missed a lot of early filming this year because of her Broadway commitment. I pray this is why we had this Supergirl light episode. The show is at its best when it's about Kara being Supergirl. Uh, well, new Rachel wrote in with some, with some, with some, ooh, that is hard for me to say for some reason, <laughs> with some thoughts saying, quote, while rewatching this week's episode, I noticed a familiar name in the credits. And after looking it up, I can confirm that the same actor who played Cassian, one of Amade's acolytes, was also the actor who played Charles McNider, otherwise known as Dr. Midnight of the Justice Society in Legends of Tomorrow, a show that... I don't watch, but I do listen to the podcast about it. <laughs> um, New Rachel says, I just thought it was a fun coincidence, especially for Morgan. Uh, did you notice that? I can tell you uh, with absolute certainty that I did not notice that <laughs> because the Justice Society and Legends of Tomorrow, I'm just going to, I don't want to break any hearts, but was not my favorite. Um <laughs> was not very well used. And if I remember right, Dr. Midnight kicked it like pretty early. So <laughs> I didn't notice that. But I love that new Rachel, who apparently knows both of my shows a little bit better than I do, picked it up uh, immediately. So <laughs> amazing new Rachel. Thank you so much. Um, Sarah wrote in with a question asking, if Mercy is still alive, how do you think she might test Ben Lockwood's faithfulness? If so, how do you think she might go about it? Um, boy, I hope Mercy's still alive. I have to say, cause I wasn't on last week's episode, but if, if that is how Mercy and Otis went, it might be the most, uh, like just womp womp, uh, <laughs> death of all time. And that's like counting like Tico who <laughs> died five times. <laughs> I, I am starting to come to reality because I think if they were still alive, I think they would have teased it in this week's episode and since they didn't i'm starting to lose hope honestly if that's how they killed them i'm really mad about it like i don't know if i like i'm still holding out hope but i'm i'm also really mad about it it's a huge waste 
They off them before Lex Luthor shows up? Are you kidding? Lex what the Luthor heck? It's coming so soon. And you had Mercy Graves on your show. What are you doing? What were you thinking? <laughs> uh, look at your life and look at your choices. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Also, uh, why didn't Lena have a final confrontation with Mercy? I feel like that should have been something. Yeah, there was so much buildup uh, on Mercy in particular to just have them go out like that is so disappointing if that's truly what's happening. Yeah, uh, good vibes only for good uh, vibes only <laughs> for Mercy and Otis to still be alive. Uh, but I'm I'm starting to sadly lose a little bit of hope. Uh, we have two voicemails, one from Jordan and another from Mauricio. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Jordan Valdez calling in about the episode Parasite Lost. Uh, first off, I want to say uh, now we know that... Uh, uh, Anthony Konechny's character was not simply named Agent Jensen uh, just for the Smallville connection of him joining small, joining Supergirl in Season 4, uh, being a Smallville alum, and joining Supergirl in Season 4 the same way Jensen Ackles joined Smallville in Season 4. It was not just a nod to that, but we learned his first name in this episode is indeed Raymond, and he is... Um, a version of Parasite, just like Raymond Jensen in the comics. So I thought that was super cool. It's pretty funny to me that Anthony Konechny, a Smallville alum, is playing another version of Parasite on Supergirl, while Smallville's Parasite, uh, the Rudy Jones version, um, Brendan Fletcher, uh, is on Arrow right now as Stanley. So that cracks me up a little bit. Uh, a couple other Smallville connections in this episode is that Quasi Amaya, who is a Smallville alum, he played Darius in the first three seasons, Lex's bodyguard. Uh, he, he's also been on Legends of Tomorrow and uh, in Man of Steel, actually. Uh, he uh, was Cassian in this episode. So I love that connection, too, to Smallville. And it's kind of funny to me that uh, Cassian, his Earth-1 counterpart in the Arrowverse, his Earth-1 doppelganger, is... Uh, Dr. Midnight, because he was Dr. Midnight on Legends of Tomorrow. So that's a fun connection. And then the other Smallville connection I want to point out is that I love that Smallville alum Sam Witwer, uh, his website, uh, or I, sh I should say um, uh, Ben's website uh, on Supergirl is called The People's Veritas. And Veritas was uh, a huge part of Smallville Season 7. So I absolutely love that. Um, the other couple things that I really loved in this episode are Drunk Brainy, one, and then, two, uh, I absolutely loved um, going back to Sam Witwer. His performance continues to blow me away. Like, that scene at the end of the episode where he's, like, furious, and then James calls him, and then he gets this, like, sort of manipulative, charismatic composure together uh, to talk to James when James calls him. At first, he's furious, and then he composes himself. Absolutely love that. Um, so, yeah, just an, another absolutely super episode of Supergirl uh, in season four here. Uh, Kalana Forever, talk to y'all later. Uh, can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. Bye-bye. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Mauricio, a.k.a. Mark here again. So, two things. Yeah, I think we're going to deal with the Ancient Liberty arc really soon, because, yeah, at the end, like, he has nothing left. You lost Otis and the Otis twins. You lost Jetson. I don't know how long they're going to keep on dragging this out. So, yeah, I think we're almost done with this arc. But it is super weird. I like this episode, but let me ask you this question. The general lady. Did that twist at the end come out of nowhere? Because um, you do realize the original Hank Henshaw was kind of messed up, and he also kind of killed humans, too. So, yeah, I don't think she read that report. And also the good John did. But, yeah, hope to hear you guys' um, thoughts on this episode, and take care. 
by. Jordan mentions uh, something that I didn't connect to because uh, I don't know as much about Parasite as I should. Uh, but the the Raymond part of Raymond Jensen's name comes from uh, his uh, comic uh, version. So there's a comic version uh, of, of Parasite uh, with the name Raymond Maxwell Jensen. And this version of Parasite first appeared in Action Comics number 340 and was created by Jim Shooter. So thank you, Jordan, for pointing that out. And Mauricio had some uh, questions about Colonel Haley, because I think we all do. <laughs> She's very mysterious. Uh, so, Morgan, do you think that the change in Colonel Haley at the end of the, this week's episode was earned? Did, did you did you think it was weird? Do you think it was a, like a, a too much of a shift? Um, I don't know that it was too much of a shift, because... I don't think Alex knew much about her either. Alex was clearly very apprehensive about what kind of oversight uh, Haley was going to provide and then was kind of like lulled into a little bit of a false sense of security uh, because she seemed cool at first. Um, But there is like an interesting, you know, I think that it, I don't know if it was earned, but I, I don't think that we know enough about her to say it wasn't because this is maybe her second appearance. Yeah, and I do wonder if she actually did know the original Hank Henshaw, and maybe that's why Ooh. she why she was so offended on his behalf. I can imagine that if like if somebody showed up and impersonated your friend for like a while, you might be a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a thread they could pull if they wanted to, where they you know to flash back to the early days of the DEO with Colonel Haley and uh, the original Hank Henshaw. I'd be into watching that story if that's uh, the way they go about it. But yeah, there's 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 something maybe there that we don't know. We, we still need more information about her. Uh, well, before we wrap up our uh, feedback for this episode, we have some snap judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first one is from New Rachel, who asks, better or worse person to get drunk with, Brainy, Lena, Alex, or Kara? Oh, God, this is such a hard question. So I guess uh, better person. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, okay. t- let's treat it as two different snap judgments. I think the best person to get drunk with would be Kara, because I think drunk Kara is the most fun. <laughs> Like the most fun. She's going to sing. We're going to dance. We're going to get ice cream. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you just wouldn't want her. And I think she knows this about herself, not to fly when she's drunk. Yeah, no fly. I mean, don't don't drink and fly. (laughs) That's always a good uh, piece of advice. But otherwise, I think Kara. Should I do my worst? Yeah, go go for it. Okay. So my worst, and this is going to be shocking to everybody. um, So sit down, like prepare (laughs) yourselves. My worst would be Lena. Because, uh, listen, Lena's going to get real drunk, and then she's going to put on a leather jacket, and she's going to go shoot someone. (laughs) And I don't want to be responsible for that. I don't want to be like, girl, put away that gun. (laughs) (laughs) I can't have that on my conscience. So (laughs) Lena is is the worst. I feel like Lena is one of those bad decision drunks where, like, (laughs) she gets, like, a couple beers in. She's like, hold on. You know what we should do? You know what we should do? We should just, like 
parachute off this building. <laughs> and you're like, Nina, no, that's not a parachute. That's a that's an umbrella. And then you have to save her. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't deal with that. Yeah, if you go out drinking with Lena, you're probably going to go to jail. You're going to end up in jail. She's not because she's super rich. She's going <laughs> to bail herself out immediately. But you're going to be in the clink for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think... I think I would uh, probably go for the same uh, choices. Uh, best person to get drunk with, probably Kara. Although second, uh, second, run- I mean, runner up for Brainy. Uh, but I wouldn't be able to keep up with him. He bounced back pretty quickly. <laughs> Uh, so I would go Kara for best, um, worst Lena for the same reasons. Lena is, you're either going to jail or you're going to go to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> so either way, it's uh, not a good outcome for you. Uh, so the second snap judgment from new Rachel is uh, is a boardworm or ballroom question, I feel like. Yeah. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? So, uh, Morgan, here are your choices. Okay. Lena's Neapolitan ice cream dress from the brunch scene. <laughs> Perfect description, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or her, quote, Morgana dress from the gala scene. So uh, which which one uh, would you, would you uh, prefer, I guess, is the question. Hmm. So this is a tough one because obviously neither dress um, has the amount of clavicle that I require <laughs> from a Lena outfit. <laughs> I have to give it to the Neapolitan ice cream dress. I like the colors. I think that they're really cute. Uh, there is there's a little slit on her shoulder, so she's like letting a little bit of her power out, but like not all of it. Like the uh, the green one does have an asymmetrical hemline, like a neckline, but I'm again no shoulders out. Like at least there's a little shoulder a little shoulder is showing in the in the ice cream dress. Yeah, she's been covering uh, those shoulders a, a lot this season. I feel like that's why a lot of people are like, "Oh, she's only this supportive girlfriend." It's like maybe it's just because we haven't seen her shoulders this season. <laughs> that's why you feel like she hasn't been doing much. <laughs> it says a lot more about her character than most people realize. Um <laughs> I would also go the Neapolitan ice cream dress. Uh I think it was a uh, a bright uh, choice for the brunch scene. Uh, I think the brunch scene was uh you know, supposed to be about, you know, the sunshine and friendship and happy time. So uh, I, I would actually pick it because it was appropriate, uh, which is a weird thing to do when you're picking uh, outfits for Lena Luther, because that's the opposite of kind of what makes her outfit so great, uh, that normally they are so very inappropriate. <laughs> uh, but I would also pick that one from the brunch scene. This has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. All right, so we have some snap judgments from Fanny. So we have another <laughs> drunk question, but this one's a little bit different, uh, more specific. Uh, drunk car or drunk brainy? Uh, which one do you like better? Hmm. I feel like we didn't see a lot of drunk brainy, so I have to go drunk car because I feel like brainy was mostly drunk off screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I. Ooh, I might I might pick Brainy for this one because I like that he uh, had a really extensive vocabulary. 
while drunk. <laughs> uh, he is the word sagacious. Um, and I also appreciated that he was drunk on 12 ginger juices. Uh, me, as a uh, a big fan of juices, I, 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 I don't drink alcoholic juices, uh, but I do try to, you know, be healthy and drink some juices. Uh, ginger will punch you in the face. Uh, when he says the ginger root kicks the booty of the immune system, that is the truth. Uh, just a, a really embarrassing quick story uh, for me. When I started juicing, I was like, oh, I'm going to put some ginger in my juice. I'm going to be real healthy. People say good things about ginger. I'm going to put it in there. So I actually went to the farmer's market, got a ginger root, and I didn't know like how much to put in there. So I cut a pretty good chunk of that ginger root and put it in my juice. Boy, was that the, be- the one of the worst juicing mistakes I've ever made. Probably the worst one because it was awful. I had to actually like uh, close my nose and just suck that juice down because it was so <laughs> terrible. I did not want it to go to waste. But just FYI, if you do a ginger root in a juice, you just put a little bit, just a little bit. You don't have to put a lot. Uh, so learn from my mistake. Um, so I actually appreciated that he was drinking ginger juices. Uh, so maybe I would go uh, with Brainy on that one. So tough not to to pick Kara, but uh, I got to go for my juice buddy. Um, so our final snap judgment of the uh, of this week's episode: uh, being invited to Kara's Christmas party at her loft, or being invited to Kara's garden party on the rooftop of her loft. I mean, listen, I love a good Christmas cheer, but like a rooftop brunch is pretty pretty killer and she looked like she had a nice spread so i'm gonna go rooftop brunch i'm gonna go christmas party i really like the cozy feel of like the the hot brown water and (laughs) um you know the christmas songs the christmas carols and the cookies i think they brought cookies i'm into that i'm i'm that's that's right in my alley so i would go christmas party no judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, thank you all for sending in those snap judgments. And for everyone who sent in tweets, emails, um, th- and voicemails, calling in and leaving voicemails this week, thank you all for doing that. Um, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on the website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Arrow, <laughs> The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, uh, Krypton, <laughs> Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows, you, su- you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter, and you can even like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. You could do those things you could do any of those things you could do anything i believe in you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well we would love it if you did all of those things um but okay so morgan we recently discussed how the flash podcast was trying to show us up with our plugs they think they can do it a little bit better than us uh we uh of course disagree because we think we can uh do uh dctv plugs pretty well i mean 
I've been training to be this mediocre at it. <laughs> it's been a long road for me. <laughs> I'm not I'm not letting go of that title. <laughs> <laughs> you have been the standard on Supergirl Radio for quite some time. So I appreciate your service. Um, but I think we might try to see if anybody else wants to uh, take an attempt, a little stab at it. Uh, so uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a little competition. Uh, we're going to put it out there and just see if anybody wants to do this. So um, if there are any listeners out there who think that they can do DC TV plugs for the DC TV Podcast Network uh, and, and you want to give it a go, uh, please submit an audio file of you doing the plugs and uh, send it in to supergirlradio at gmail.com. Uh, we would like it if you could be as creative as you can. Do funny voices. Uh, you know, do a musical parody. We don't care. Just be creative. Uh, make sure you uh, list all of the shows that are listed on dctvpodcast.com. So make sure you get all the information correct. So we have two criteria uh, for an entry. Be creative. Make sure you include, include all the information. Uh, and if we get uh, some entries... Morgan and I will choose a winner based on those criteria. And uh, you could win a little something-something from the DCTV Podcast T Public Store. Mm. Uh, we'll give you to the end of the year. So maybe December 31st, 2018 is the official cutoff. Listen, that is plenty of time to, like, prepare and to train. Like, I'm imagining you... <laughs> With headphones on, you're listening to my plugs. You're like, I can do it better. You're running up the steps like Rocky. You're just like, <laughs> Black Lightning. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. And you're like, for some reason, you're punching. I don't know why, but you're punching. You're <laughs> and you're ready. And you're ready for it. And you've got plenty of time. It's until the end of the year. So you can really like, you can really, like show us what you have, what you've got. <laughs> we, we want a montage as well. <laughs> so we're, we're taking... Taking submissions for the DCTV uh, podcast plugs. And if you are chosen, not only will you get something from the DCTV podcast T Public Store, uh, your choice will let you choose. So you can pick anything from the store, from any of uh, the Supergirl merch, the Flash merch, uh, Batwoman, whatever you want. We will let you pick it and we will send it to you. Um, but not only will you get that, we will feature you in every episode of Supergirl Radio in the D the DC uh, TV podcast plug section, you will be our new uh, segment of the podcast, so that Morgan doesn't have to do it anymore. We could, uh, <laughs> I could take a little break. Listen, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. <laughs> I need this break. This is this is going to be like my vacation. I'm like going to be on a beach somewhere just for that plugs, so and I'm going to come right back. So uh, record yourself doing the plugs. Be creative. Make sure you include all the information. Send us an audio file to supergirlradio at gmail.com and uh, you might win some good stuff. All right, so uh, we'll we'll put that out there and see if anybody bites. And um, if uh, you would also like to go and visit the Tea Public store, we have a uh, link at supergirlradio.com. And uh, if you just click on that link, uh, we, uh, you can go to the store and check out our merch. And there's going to be a lot of sales uh, happening uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So just pay attention to the social media accounts uh, Super, at Supergirl Radio on Twitter and Facebook, and you will be notified when those sales are happening. Well, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and uh, you can also hear some thoughts uh, about the DC films uh, because I am a contributor to JLU Podcasts, which you can find over jluniverse.podomatic.com. So you should go check it out. <laughs> 
And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. You can also find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. If you watch Legends of Tomorrow, if you don't watch Legends of Tomorrow, if you ever thought, what's this Legends of Tomorrow people are talking about? <laughs> people people just keep talking to me about this Legends of Tomorrow. I must know more about it. You can by listening to our podcast. It's fun times. Rebecca can tell you. She doesn't she doesn't watch the show. She doesn't need to take 40 minutes out of her day to watch the show. She can take an hour and a half to listen to the podcast instead. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, but I make a priority for podcasts. So I highly recommend it if you want to know about Legends of Tomorrow. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on Parasite Lost. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Lennon. And remember, the ginger root kicks the booty of the immune system. But be warned, it also strangely makes the roof spin. (laughs) 